When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Come on, the priests come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine. You're listening to the From the Pink Seats podcast, powered by the State of Louisville Network. This is From the Pink Seats podcast, brought to you by the State of Louisville Podcast Network. I am Jacob Lane, joined by the beautiful Matt Matthew McGavick. The J is lowercase in journalism. Matt, welcome. How are you, buddy? I'm doing good. And if you think I'm beautiful, I think, I think you need a new co-host. <laughs> I I might, but luckily we're going to be joined by a couple of hunky guys from 93.9 The Ville, Louisville Sports Live, Ethan Moore and Taylor Lynch. We've been talking about this show for a few weeks now. Uh, I didn't get to challenge, challenge Taylor to a push-up contest, but we did get to hear those beautiful pipes, did we not? Oh, we did, and Taylor sounds as great as ever, and Ethan could have sounded better had he actually been able to tune in, not from his phone, but, you know, to each his own, I'm just glad to have those guys on, uh, talk shop, cut up a little bit, great, great interview. An absolutely great episode in store for you guys. I'm really excited about this. I, I talk about this to a lot of friends, but um, I know that there's the big names in Louisville sports media, but there are so many talented people here in the city who, you know, cover Louisville, cover other sports, cover other things. Taylor and Ethan fall right into that. They are absolutely great. Uh, on this episode, we're just going to dive into the, the 2021 season. Really, Matt, for the first time uh, since we sat down with Cameron Teague and Keith Wynn earlier this year in our, our four-part series, a lot has changed since then, um, and there's been a, just a, a slew of bad luck this offseason. Wouldn't you agree with that? I would agree, and I, I said it during the interview. It seems like it's been a roller coaster. Louisville receives good news. They receive bad news. They receive bad news, then good news. Good, then bad. Middle of the pack, good, then bad. It's there, There's no no been not been any consistently good news to string together. And it's 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 kind of played into how some fans kind of feel a little bit blase towards the upcoming season. But since, since we are under three months until the season over, it's starting to build up and it's starting to get there. And I think once we get under a month, fans will re- it'll really start to kick in and they'll be like, oh, football's almost here. Let, let's go. Let's get to Atlanta. I could not agree with you more. Well, hopefully we can do our part here and starting to create more conversation about the Louisville football program. There is a lot to be excited about, and we're going to talk about all of those reasons. We're also going to be realistic, Matt. I know that Louisville fans, a lot of the times, 
Um, not to not to point any fingers, but a lot of times rose colored glasses can be worn uh, on looking at things. So we're going to dive into that. We'll bring back the big three, um, our segment from last week where we talk about the big headlines in Louisville football. We're going to play some over under. We're going to hear dogs bark. We're going to bitch about ice cream. It's going to be a great episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you're following us on social media at Pink Seats Pod, at General Wasp, at Jacob Lane 08. We've got a lot of great stuff in store coming up, including a incredible giveaway. We've teased it the last couple of weeks. It is coming. Pay attention. Make sure you're following. Subscribe, rate, do all of that. Let's bring in the Louisville Sports Live, guys. You hear them every Wednesday night on your dial. We're excited to be joined by our guys from Louisville Sports Live, 93.9 The Ville, Ethan Moore and Taylor Lynch. We're less than 85 days away from the start of the 2021 season. Please tell me you guys are getting excited for football. Welcome into the show. How are we? What's going on, fellas? Yeah, I never stop being excited for football season. So Ethan gets to transition to basketball and, and give it his total focus. But I'm ready to talk football in February. So... Taylor's microphone is mesmerizing. It really is. It really is. I'm I'm loving it. And we also got, just for our listeners who are are tuned in here, we've got a little bit of video chat mixed with phone call. Technical difficulties to start this podcast have turned this into – it's going to be spectacular, absolutely spectacular. People don't tune in here for the professionalism, the top-of-the-line equipment. We roll with what we got. This is going to be beautiful. Let me ask you this. We'll start here. I know you guys have been talking about mostly you know, basketball, the tournament, the offseason. I know Chris Mack and what's happening there has really kind of dominated the headlines on your all show. Obviously, now it's kind of recruiting, but – you, we've spent a lot of this offseason talking about a lot of negative things. It feels like I know a lot of good stuff has happened, but for you all, does it feel like this offseason is just dragging along? Because, I mean, it just seems like the longer we go, the more bad headlines and more just things that we don't want to talk about as fans and as people who cover the program just keeps happening. It seems like it really is because it's with this offseason, you mentioned it, Jacob, the, the long list of negative things that have happened to the program off the field, off the court, whatever. It's just served as a distraction to, I think, and it's almost negated the hype, so to speak, that we have normally for football season. I'm slowly but surely cranking into football mode. I'm really bullish on this team. I've said that numerous times on LSL. I think uh, the sky's the limit in terms of improvement. We'll get into that a little bit later on with you guys. Um, But I'm bullish on this team, and I know Taylor kind of agrees as well. It feels like for me, even with the even with the basketball team not making the NCAA tournament, you would assume that they wouldn't dominate the headlines as long as they have. Mm-hmm. But I think even missing the tournament caused them to dominate the headlines in this offseason more than in a normal offseason. And with the moves that Coach Mack made and with bringing in two new assistant coaches – And then you had the the Dino extortion case. And it was just like one thing after another. We couldn't put basketball to bed. And now here we are in the beginning of June. And we're finally able to kind of put basketball to bed. And football's already, you know, right around the corner. So we have to jump right into it. Yeah, I I, I agree. I mean, especially this off in any offseason, you're going to see a lot of stories or maybe even non-stories get a little bit more attention than they normally should just because there's there's no athletic events to even cover. But it seems like 
this offseason, not just with football, not just with basketball, but all of the sports are seemingly heading into the offseason, or at least most of them, with the exception of women's basketball, field hockey, and a few others. It seems that most sports are heading into this offseason with just like a bad tasting mouth. Like we said, basketball didn't make the uh, didn't make the NCAA tournament. Football ended on a four and seven note with the Satterfield and South Carolina drama. The baseball team had a momentous collapse down the stretch, didn't even sniff the NCAA tournament. And so, and yes, there are a lot of negative things happening that a lot more negative things that would happen. Matt, in, say in something normal. good. Say something good, please. Say good things. Say something about good stuff and not all the bad stuff. I mean, I've got a beer. That's something I have good for me. <laughs> hey, look, we don't, we didn't become but good it's drinkers a for a How good is it really? <laughs> I mean, it's better than no beer, right? Says the guy calling okay, in I'm... from his cell phone. All right. Miller Light joke. Ethan I will accept no slander, late. caller three. It's past his bedtime. He can't drink this late. He'll be up all night <laughs> oh, in the bathroom. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. All right. Well, you, we gotta... you all feel free to share my Tim Sullivan moment if you want. Listen, I'm a big boy. I can take a clown. Look, okay. All right. Well, for all the people who listen to press conferences, they know that Tim Sullivan is the habitual mute guy, the guy who can't seem to figure out how to get the mute button turned off. And Ethan, I think you have now accepted that. Tim has handed that over to you on the podcast side of things. And now, you know, I just got to keep it going, man. I feel like as a teacher, you should know better than this, though. So I don't know how much slack I really can cut <laughs> you here. But we've got a great show. We've been teasing the show for a couple of weeks now. And for good reason, we've got a lot to get into. We're going to talk about the, the season coming up. We're going to talk about Malik Cunningham, the turnovers. We're going to talk about the South Carolina situation. And we're going to play a little bit of over-under. I think we've got some fun stats to kind of dive in here that will – um, get us excited for football, but let's let's first start with the headlines. We debuted this segment last week, the big three. Let's talk about what's going on in the news. Big, big, big three. Big three. Yeah, 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 yeah. Big three. Come on. Yeah. All right, from the state of Louisville, headline reads: Let's be real. Losing Coach Coop is a big deal. Obviously, this week uh, there was some interesting news to come out of Louisville. You don't you don't typically take June as the time for coaching turnover, but uh, Louisville's recruiting coordinator David Cooper on Friday was reported by Two Four Seven Sports that he would be taking the same position at Georgia, uh, and it was a really interesting kind of news dump on a Friday afternoon. I don't I don't think anybody uh, on this side of things wanted that to get out with everything that was going on. Uh, you had eleven official visitors, but here we are. I wrote it's a big deal simply because. Um, David Cooper brought some legitimacy to the Louisville recruiting, even if it was just for a few months. For those who don't know who that is, was was uh, hired from Florida as the recruiting coordinator uh, and brought a lot of firepower, a lot of connections with him. We saw it pretty quickly with the tweets with the five-star players. Um, and so now it's it's disappointing to start the season in 85 days and you're talking about, uh, instead of what's on the field, you're talking about a, a coaching move. Uh, Taylor, what do you think, man? You know, it's frustrating. And to be completely honest, you know, the, the news coming out was the first time I realized that his name was David. So that that was a thing that happened. I think everybody <laughs> thought his first name was Coach. Just it's, Coach it's Coop. Coach Coop. Just Coach Coop. <laughs> Coop. Yep. was his name. Uh, no, I mean, there's a couple different ways to look at it. And you can be the rah-rah, optimistic Louisville fan and say, oh, it doesn't matter. It's just a recruiting coordinator, blah, blah, blah. You can go find another recruiting coordinator. And that's fine if that's your take and that's your stance. And that's cool. And I'm sure that you can spin it that way. But the bottom line is, did he leave for, quote, unquote, a better job? Did he leave for a power job in the SEC? Yeah, he did. He left and went to Georgia. Georgia's close to home for him. You know, that's fine. If that's where he wanted to go, that's great. 
but it is a loss for Louisville. I, I don't, time will tell as to how big of a loss it is. I think him only being here for four months, you may be able to recover quicker than if he had been here for a year, two years, three years, really made inroads with, you know, some of the high school coaches and really established a pipeline here. Then I think you would be able to say, oh God, that's a huge loss. I think right now, yes, it's a loss. Is it a major loss? I don't, I don't think it's a major loss, but it definitely stings. And the timing of it is the worst part. Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with Taylor. Uh, but can we be done with Coach Cooper's at Louisville for football? <laughs> I mean, you know, with Ron Cooper and then, no, Coach Cooper. <laughs> nothing good has happened with Louisville football if your last name's Cooper, so let's get that out of the way. Uh, Taylor makes a, a great point in regards to kind of assessing how bad of a loss this is. I, guys, at State of Louisville, your article was dead on, in my opinion. It was a huge deal. We made a big deal when he was first hired, so it's a it's a huge loss. But I don't know how we can really quantify it with him being here just four months. The timing of it um, is absolutely horrible. Um, there's no way to get around that. Um, so I think that he was he had Louisville in with a bunch of top guys. I think it was surprising. Christian Miller is still scheduled to visit to make an official visit this weekend. So he had a connection to a lot of those guys, high four-star kids in the, in the South that maybe a staff member Louisville doesn't have access to right now. But we'll see. At the end of the day, just win. And, and if you're talking about recruiting, it's time to close those big-name targets. So if they do that, then I think that well, this will all be forgotten here shortly. Matt, final uh, thoughts here on this. I mean, it pretty much sums up what they thought. I mean, what, what the worst part about this whole thing was, like you both of you guys said, was the timing. The first official visit weekend for recruits since the pandemic started, and he's already going to back to Georgia. Now, I, I completely understand. I'm not about to hate on the guy for wanting to go back home because, I mean, I did the same thing going from Louisville to Georgia Tech to Louisville. So I'm not going to hate on him from there. But he couldn't have waited until – the following Tuesday to leave, he couldn't have at least stayed like waited out, stuck it out for an additional two, three, four days until this first weekend was done. I mean, I'm I'm not going to hit on the guy at all, like I said, but the timing was just the worst part. And like you guys said, the amount of guys that he was getting involved in was was something that Louisville is not typically used to. Like while he was in Florida, he helped the Gators nab two top ten class in a row. Now it's Florida, so that kind of almost kind of recruits itself in a, in a sense. But he played a huge role in landing eight top one hundred guys in his two years down there. That's that's a big deal, and he was starting to get involved with some of those guys here at Louisville. Something that the Cardinals are not exactly used to. Love, love level football, but they they don't typically get involved in that many high caliber blue chip recruits on any given re- recruiting cycle. So the fact that in just the four month span, uh, Coach Coop was getting involved in that many guys right off the bat, ha- having him gone in four months is a huge loss. But like you said, Taylor, it's probably better that he's gone in four months and not a year in four months when he's already like well established roots in Louisville. Yeah, in the words of Quavo from Migos' recent album, he turned a pandemic into a bandemic. I think it's worth mentioning that David Cooper did get his, his salary doubled, gets to go back home. A lot of Louisville fans shitting on him for leaving four months in. 
look, you know, you get a job offer, you go where you go, man. All right. The, whole, the people who didn't see, I as soon as you started talking about Quavo, I was mid beer drink, and I had I, to. Hold I can't it. not bring that up. How great is that? Turned a pandemic into a pandemic. Like I've been telling my wife that all week. That's all I'm trying to do, I mean, man. You're not wrong, but I wasn't oh, expecting God. it. I need to know who's going to take shots at Vince Marrow now. Like, right, exactly. That's what Coach who's Coop was gonna, here for. That's what I thought his job was, to be honest with you. Just, just to be the kind of like, not really like the hoorah guy. Like that's what. There's like a there's a there's a group of Louisville fans who just get so rallied behind social media, and he really he got the troops going, and now they're trying to find a new leader. We'll see who it'll be. Headline number two. This is a little bit of outdated news here. This is from the Louisville Report and our own Matthew McGavick. Louisville quarterback Luke McCaffrey leaves Louisville. I, I know this is a little bit outdated. We didn't get to this on our episode last week, but um, again, just another one of those weird, quirky things that kind of happens to Louisville and the ball of negativity gets rolling. Um, I don't really want to spend too much time focusing on his impact because he probably wasn't going to see the field, clearly wanted to be the starter, didn't get that opportunity. But what what are your all's thoughts on just overall depth at quarterback right now and then long-term, the fact that there's really no clear-cut guy to kind of take over? I think you know all you need to know about Luke McCaffrey because he went to Rice. So that should tell you about everything you need to know about his chances here at Louisville. Um, Ethan and I talked about this last week on the show. You know, Quarterback depth, uh, Louisville has to go and get somebody. But the problem is I don't know the caliber of guy that you're going to be able to get right now. Um, you need somebody that's going to be serviceable. If Malik gets injured, which we know he's susceptible to do, is that Evan Conley? I don't know. I think it could be Evan Conley, but if the offensive line is like turnstiles like they were last season, Evan Conley won't survive back there for longer than a snap or two. So I don't know. I think you have to get a guy, but just like Ethan and I said, I don't know where you get that guy. Who's Luke McCaffrey? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, so yeah, like Taylor mentioned, man, he didn't. He wanted to be the starter. He wasn't going to be promised the starter. He probably was scared off um, through workouts with, with Cunningham. He's going to be your your number one starter. Like Taylor said, how we mentioned on LSL last week, they need more quarterback depth. But the quality is the question that I have. I don't think there's anybody out there right now that that, that the staff could secure to booster the depth at all. I think. Down the road, they're going to have to target a high four-star kid to try to bring him in or maybe a grad transfer if Malik Cunningham decides not to play two more years down the road. That's certainly a a major question mark. It comes down to this, guys. He has to stay healthy. I think when you have four returning stars on the offensive line, you've bolstered your depth in the offseason on the offensive line. I think it, it, it has improved his chances of being able to stay healthy. I think relatively last year he was healthy the vast majority of the season, so that was good. So provided he stays healthy, Louisville can kind of stave off any other of this quarterback drama or with a lack of depth because he is a very good college quarterback. Now, uh, if he decides to leave after this season, the staff has to get, um, again, a high four-star kid from high school, or an impact grad transfer. So, but that's on down the road. I'm a huge MC fan. I think that he'll cut down on his turnovers drastically because of the aforementioned improved offensive line. Um, so we'll see what happens, but staying healthy for Malik is the number one key. 
I think the biggest thing for me out of this whole situation was what was his recruiting pitch originally? That's what I'm saying. Because I, I, I thought, it, get here with I thought it was mentality. pretty commonly known that Malik Cunningham, despite the year, still had a but solid stranglehold on the starting position. I mean, I mean, what did this coaching staff say to him and to for him to think that he had a really solid chance of landing the starters gig and he's gone after barely a week of off-season workouts and realizing he's not going to be the starting guy. Like, that's what I want to know more than anything. And, Matt, I don't even think it was so much the coaching staff's pitch. I think it was really – he thought my last name is McCaffrey. Right. It had to be. There's no way you just show up. I mean, everybody in the country knew Malik Cunningham as the starter, except for him, clearly. Like, And I just picture him seething as he watches Malik run up the stairs and he's with the scout team guys. Like, don't they know my last name? And just walking out. I mean, don't you know who I am? (laughs) Yeah, I I just, I would love to have been. Yeah, seriously, I would have loved to have been a fly on a wall there. Because, and like you guys said, I I do think the last name kind of played a role. I mean, I mean, your your father is one of the better wide receivers in Broncos history. Your your brother is arguably the best running back in the NFL. So I, it'd probably be a little bit hard not to get a little bit of a head case. Mm-hmm. I, I can't me, put. Let me just throw this out there real quick. Both of the McCaffrey brothers were in the portal this offseason, and their final destinations were Northern Colorado <laughs> and Rice. Let's stop with the the genes of talent. All right, all right, Matt. Hey, they got more. They got more talent than us, though. That's for sure. I can't hate on the gene pool that much. Well, okay. For but, anyways, going to the last headline of the big three from my own uh, publication at Louisville Report, uh, Malik Cunningham finally had a chance to talk to the media again for the first time since spring practice. He touched upon a wide variety of topics, such as like getting to know the the quote unquote new receivers in the receiver room, moving on uh, in the offensive. the whole scheme and whatnot with Tutu and Dez heading to the next level. And one quote that I want to kind of, we wanted to kind of single out a little bit and emphasize a little bit more on was when I asked him about like how he is doing in regards to helping cut down turnovers. Cause ever uh, when Pete Thomas was first promoted to quarterbacks coach, he said that a heavy emphasis his offseason was going to be working with Malik and helping him cut down those numbers. And when I asked him how that was going, he said, quote, I would say decision making and a lot and just watching a lot of film when I asked how how that process was going, just knowing the tendencies of different defenses and taking the ball down when I need to. Turnovers are not something you can really work on in the offseason besides watching film. In my eyes, you can't really do much about that. Just got to be smart with the football this upcoming season. And that's what we're working on. Do I see what he's working on here, but. At the same time, I think turnovers can be something that you work on. Just like I said, the two other extraneous factors like watching film and decision making. Yes, that absolutely plays into, you know, cutting down your turnover numbers. But I think another facet is just one, don't make the cut down on your boneheaded plays one to make more than one read and scramble, which was something that Malik Cunningham was prone to do in 2020, but it wasn't something that he did a lot in 2019. So that's something is very clearly something that he can work on besides, you know, just watching film and decision-making. Yeah, that's For me, guys, I think it's, it's with the new play calling uh, and the coaching staff has said that they're going to be utilizing check downs and they're going to be utilizing and putting an emphasis on, on throwing the ball out to the running backs out in the open. I think that type of scheme, at least part of the way, will enable him to cut down on the turnovers. So instead of trying to force it into a tight window, he can dump it off to a running back um, for a potential big gainer. And he didn't do that for whatever reason. I think one of my main bugaboos with this staff 
is that the, the play calling was extremely predictable. So then when you had the offense getting in second and third and longs, you would feel – you could watch and see how Malik would kind of force throws or, you know, scramble and not protect the ball and fumble. So he had five picks his first year as a full-time starter and then 12 this past season. And I think, Matt, to your answer, he answered it well, in my opinion, because he, he's basically admitting that, listen, I made a bunch of boneheaded plays. I tried to force the when it wasn't there. I think with the new emphasis on the play calling of checkdowns and throwing the ball out to the flat to your running backs, that uh, in itself will cut down drastically on his turnovers. I cringe when I hear I that because he has to be able to work on these in the off season. I, I'm sorry. There, there's practice for a reason. You go through drills where guys are trying to strip the ball out and you have to hold on to it. Like that stuff that you have to work at. You damn sure better work on it in the off season because you're not working on it week one against Ole Miss. Okay. We're not going to try to work on it against an SEC defense. And we're, no, that's get out of here with that. No, Malik is better than what Malik was last season. There's no doubt about that. Half of the reason that Malik only got one read and scrambled was because there was somebody quite literally in the backfield every single time he took a snap because the offensive line just went and threw their hands up like, oh, oh we're supposed to. Oh, oh, shit. We're blocking. OK, so I mean that it. Yeah, Malik's going to be better this season because I think the offensive line is going to be a strength. Oh, yeah. The O-lines might have eight or nine guys in rotation, which is a lot more than their six or seven they've had the past two years. They better. Exactly. I, mean, I, I think they're, they're going to be better, and I think Malik's going to be better. you got 15 guys on the offensive line. They've had eight, and it feels like, in the last two classes. They better have guys that can finally play up there because last year, I mean, I remember being at the Western game in the season opener being like, this is the offensive line? This is what we're doing here against Western? I know they had D'Angelo Malone. They had a couple of nice pieces out there. But it just yeah, never two really, really nice offensive ends, so I don't know if that's the best example. But even still, you talk about Conference USA. I know they're NFL caliber guys, but still, you you should be able to, as a team, contain that. Now, I, look, whatever you you make your argument that you want there. Uh, but as the season went on, Taylor hit it. They, every single time, Malik had nowhere to go. He would have to scramble, and some of his runs last year were just downright impressive. I mean, what he did with the football. Um, being able to run was Lamar-esque. I mean, obviously he fumbled a lot. He, he got hurt. It felt like every other run. I've always said that for every hit that Lamar Jackson avoided, Malik Cunningham takes times two. Um, and so ah. you hope this year yeah. that he he's learning in the offseason. I know it's hard to kind of replicate. Maybe what he's trying to say, it's hard to replicate a game-like environment. It really is understanding what a defense is doing, what the secondary is doing when they motion this way, what a linebacker is doing when they come up to the line. That's the kind of stuff I, that I know he needs to improve on. And we, I, I hope next year when we see him, he's a guy who can really two or three reads. I, I hope we can get to that point. At, you know, he's been here for four years, three years as, as a starter almost. Um, that was one of his biggest weaknesses. And, and I think we will. I'm really excited about Malik. Let's, let's move on here. That was the big three. Um, let's talk a just general offseason and expectations heading into 2021 Matt and I spent a lot of time looking at 2020 what happened what went wrong you can dissect that for a million ways yeah turnovers turnovers is really what it boils down to (laughs) the stats are interesting David Hill had a great thread of stats this past week about fourth quarter interceptions and just how close it really was to going the other way but here we are so you have that four and seven then you have the Scott Satterfield South Carolina fiasco 
um, that just never really seemed to go away. Terribly timed. I, I still am not quite sure what the motive there, how that happened. It is what it is. We moved past it. But there's a big chunk of Louisville fans that when that happened, could no longer could move on past that point. Everything that happened, whether it was the fifth man on the wide receiver depth chart transferring or Luke McCaffrey leaving after four days, it's Satterfield's fault. Considering all that's happened this offseason, there's been a lot of good things, too. A lot of good coaching hires. I know Dwayne Ledford left. Uh, you've got 18 guys that have hit the portal. Um, how, how do we grade the offseason? Chaotic. Okay. I, I never got a, a chaotic grade on my report card, but I like it. Taylor, give me a letter. Grade. Right now, thinking? would that be a C? <laughs> C for chaotic. C for chaotic. C for chaotic. I mean, that's just the first thing that came to mind for me because I know there's always some sort of of upheaval every offseason when it comes to like coaches leaving, coaches coming in, players leaving, players coming in, and any other, you know, oddball story in the offseason. But it just seems that it's just one thing after another. Like it's a roller coaster up, down, up, down, up, down. We hear one good thing, we hear one bad thing, we hear a bad thing, we hear a good thing. And maybe we hear something in the middle that's just like, what? I, I can't remember an offseason that was as active, I guess, is the word I'm looking for, as this one, especially when it's coming off of a disappointing season like Louisville had. I would give it a C. I feel like it's not below average, but it's just kind of – it's like me the second semester of my senior year of high school. It was just average. Like, it just I happened. got by – The senioritis I, is kicking in. I got through it. <laughs> And I think that's all Louisville football has done this offseason. They've gotten through it. They didn't really do anything that, you know, blew your mind. They didn't, you know, there wasn't any like some stellar recruit or, or anything like that. They just kind of, they lost some coaches. They brought in some coaches that I think are going to be good. Uh, time's going to tell on that. But they just kind of held serve this offseason. I would give it a C minus. I think if you if you broke it into like six month segments, obviously the flirtation with South Carolina that was a huge black eye for the program. The amount of coaches that went on to other jobs, although you can argue that those are all better positions, more money, et cetera, uh, outside of maybe Frank Ponce. But I think though too, they weathered the storm after that. I think that this was until Friday's news with Coach Cooper leaving. You, I could at least sense uh, some positive momentum generating now with the, with the football program. Of course, Popeye Williams now is a four-star prospect. Um, he came out and said he's a thousand percent committed. Uh, Caleb Johnson, the talented three-star quarterback, as well, uh, had rave reviews about the visit. So I think it's going to be result-oriented. So you can look back retroactively to this offseason and increase the grade if the season's better. Whereas right now, if if the, the grading period ended today, I'd give it a C minus overall. Um, a little bit better here recently than it was, you know, back in January with the South Carolina flirtation and losing of all the assistant coaches. They've weathered the storm. And I think now, slowly but surely, excitement is coming back to Louisville football. You're really right. The excitement was like, if you're looking at it on a chart, it, it you know was at a, a low at one point in the offseason, especially during spring. Matt and I talked about how this year, 
I, I've never seen spring football so unimportant that literally nobody even knew it happened. And so you talk about that, and then you slowly get to the recruiting, the dead period being lifted. You talk about some of the transfers they land, and you're going up, you're going up, and then it's just a wave down, and then it's just a wave back up, and then it's a wave back down. And uh, you guys, I don't need to give a grade here. You guys have done a great job of kind of laying out what it is. But uh, the the analogy I'll use is the, the in basketball, when you're down a lot, coaches will tell you, give me four good minutes here. Give me, let's win this six minutes. Let's come back. Scott Satterfield has two months until the offseason. Let's win this last six minutes of the offseason. Like, no more bad news. No more players leaving after four days. Like, I, I get that there's just – college football is so unpredictable right now. And that, you know, I feel like a lot of Louisville fans are Charlie Day and always Sunny trying to figure out what's on the board and how the lines connect. They don't connect in a lot of places. But it's just how you craft a narrative in the offseason. Louisville's done a really poor job of that this offseason. Uh, but win this last couple of months leading into the season, and it doesn't matter. None of it matters. Um, and, and I'll say this. If Kendrick Duncan is an NFL player, it's a it's an A for me. Go back and give this summer an A because I, Matt and I have talked about how much I, I really do think that he's going to be like the 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 Cottrell Clark of this team, like really change the dynamic in the secondary. I, I'm willing to put all the other stuff to rest. Plus, Cottrell Clark's still there too, so having two NFL caliber secondaries, I'd be willing to see some of the other slights kind of be put to bed here. Mm-hmm. But either way, Louisville fans dejected by all of it. I don't. I don't really know where to kind of put the overall excitement. You'd think with the pandemic kind of ending, vaccines, everybody being able to get back to life, that everybody would be really excited for the season. But do you guys kind of feel like people are just kind of like, man, like who, like we'll see when we get there. Like, what's the kind of the excitement level? I guess if you're all caller base, people who are actively engaged with your show. Well, Lawrence is I would always kind of late to see. What do you think, Dylan? <laughs> Lawrence is always mad. So you got that. Uh, you know, I think we're at a point right now. We're going to get to like the last week of July. And all of a sudden it's like, everybody is going to realize we are a month away from the start of the college football season. And then everybody's going to get excited. I think mm -hmm. we would have had more excitement for the football season. If we wouldn't have had so much ancillary stuff happening around the athletic department heading into the off season. I think that's fair. Yeah, me... uh, I think that you bring up a good point there as well, because with all that stuff that happened, it just, it just detracted from everything. The vibe that I'm getting from the, the fans that I've interacted with, it, it kind of, it's just been my, my thing all along is that you just got to produce. This is the show me year for Coach Satterfield in year three. You got a lot of talent returning. Now you have to replace a lot of talent on the offensive side as well. But this is just something I think people are excited, but there's a huge faction of the fan base as I like, listen, man, you, you got to win, especially if you're flirting with another job. And I know that he's apologized and most of the fans have, have welcomed him back. But at the end of the day, this team needs to win and have a very successful season. Right, because this is heading into a year where most of the team is his guys. Like all, most of Bobby Petrino's guys are gone, and this is a team that is comprised almost exclusively of his guys. If they don't start to show show some semblance of life after last season, that seat might start to get a little bit hot. Let me ask you this, Taylor. Okay, <laughs> say you've been sleeping for the last ten months. You wake up. Uh, and you go and you ask, uh, or somebody comes out. Let me let me back up here. I started that off really horribly. I would love to sleep for the past. <laughs> somebody, months. Is, so, 
somebody is waking up from sleeping from 10 months. They come to you. They have no idea what's happened in the off season. They have no idea about the South Carolina thing. They don't really even know about the four and seven, but they're like, man, what, like, are you excited about Louisville football? What has you excited? What would you tell them? Like, why are you excited? God, that's, is it bad that I don't have an immediate? no, I mean, it's response. Like, uh, I feel like that was the answer that most fans would kind of They play Ole like. Miss at the beginning of the season. So that's exciting. Uh, I, I, think I don't the, know. I, it, I think the first answer for me would probably be the defense because I'm curious to see how they can build upon their Good season point. last year. They, they, they took, I, it, it, they do not give enough credit, especially Brian Brown for orchestrating the turnaround that they did because they took one of the, single-handedly worst defenses in college football and last season turned them into a top 40 top 50 unit and with a lot of guys like coming get now they did lose their fair share of talent and then some units are going to be relatively young and some units have some question marks like the defensive line i think from a totality standpoint the defense should be really good and perhaps better question mark maybe than they were in 2020 so it's it's kind of odd to see this team just from two two seasons separated from having a high-flying offense and seeing arguably their defense is going to be their their strength i don't doubt at all i agree with that man all of the football guests that we've had on have really pointed to how improved the defense is going to be. And then they're singling out how much better they think that the defensive line is going to be. And I think, in my opinion, that is by far the biggest question mark on that side of the ball. The coaching staff seems to be very excited about what the defensive line can bring. Obviously, I'm I'm excited about the linebacking core. I mean, you, you got talent there and depth. You could say the same thing there for the secondary. I expect the defense to be better as well. I think they're going to they kind of – help the offense progress as they find those new playmakers. Uh, but, yeah, if there's something to get excited about, it is the defense. But still, I want to see, can the defensive line answer the questions that everybody has? Can that group step up and consistently get pressure on the quarterback? I have no doubt that Louisville's secondary will be the in the top two in the ACC this season as far as secondaries go. And I don't think it's far fetched. I think it's it's no, I agree. and it's Louisville. No, I one hundred percent agree. I think they they had the stats that can back that up last season too. They were yeah. top three, top four, maybe in most, and uh, not most, in a lot of stats uh, defensively last season. And I think for me, the biggest question mark outside of is Ken is Kendra Duncan going to be in the next All ACC guy? Is who is going to be the guy that steps up at nose tackle? Because Jared Goldwire, he's gone to the league. He, I don't want to say had a disappointing season, but he didn't have like an all-worldly year that I thought he was capable of having. And now you're going going to a bunch of players who are, I'm going to say, rel- relatively inexperienced compared to him. But I think the biggest question now is, can Jacques Turner be uh, as impactful as he can be going from is Southern Miss and Conference USA, whatever conference yeah. there, Conference USA from ACC. Right. Now he's an all-conference player, so obviously he's got talent. But I'm curious to see how the rotation in the middle is, is is going to pan out because I know Jacob and I have talked about this on a few shows. Louisville 
the next step that the defense needs to take is consistently get more pressure out of their front seven and specifically the defensive line, because in standard downs last season, like non clear cut pass situation, they were, they were good at generating pressure. They were good at getting sacked. They were good at going after the backfield and clear passing downs, like second and seven, third and seven and beyond. They couldn't do anything. They, they, they were one of the bottom 10 or 20 teams in the nation in terms of getting pressure in clear-cut passing situations. So that that's the next step that I think this Louisville defense needs to take. But other than that, I'm, I'm excited for it. The next step for the defense is just kind of cleaning up some of the rough edges from last season. I, Matt and I joked about this uh, quite a bit as we kind of wrapped up 2020 was Louisville led the country and almost got them. They almost almost got you on the interception, yeah. almost got you on the, yeah. on the sack in the backfield. They're right there a lot of the times, but they didn't quite pull it down for whatever reason. If Louisville picks off a few of those passes in the end zone against Notre Dame or whatever game you want to point to where they drop countless interceptions – that defense is even better than what it was. Maybe Louisville is 500, maybe a little bit short of that. But um, the defense is just clean up the rough edges and find a guy who can consistently get after the quarterback. And I, I've been saying this for four years, so maybe on the fourth year I'll be right. But Yasir Abdullah seems like to me that he's tailor-made for that job. Like, he's the guy – like, he's scary. He's the guy I let get off the bus first because the, he's just – like, his muscles have muscles. And I, I hope that mm -hmm. eventually that's going to translate to actually – uh, you know, pulling down some big sack numbers and becoming, you know, one of the the top guys in the ACC because the talent is there. The talent is there. Oh, guys, I can I tell love, you from, from – I, I love that dude. And then and Marvin Dallas, C.J. Avery, Monty Montgomery. Taylor was a guy that was mentioned to us several times, poised mm -hmm. for a breakout year, provided mm -hmm. he can stay healthy. I love what this, what this linebacking core can bring. I can tell you guys from hanging out and, and talking to C.J. Avery, this defense, they, they're more comfortable defensively than they have been in years. They, he, he told me that it's, they're not thinking anymore. They're just going out there and they're making plays. And that's what you've wanted to see from this defense. Um, and, and CJ and, and Monty are two of the guys in this offseason that are really taking control of the defense and really taking on leadership roles with the defense. Um, so I think Ethan's right. I mean, we're going to, we should expect big things from Monty Montgomery. Um, and, uh, obviously we all expect big things from CJ. And we haven't even mentioned Yaya Diaby, who Scott Satterfield and a lot of the, the coaches glowing have, about him. They've been talking mm -hmm. about him. Scott Satterfield has been talking a lot about, about guys like Yaya Diaby and on the offensive side, which we'll get to in a few minutes, Jalen Mitchell, like, Matt and I talked about it last week. He's obviously got a thing for the guys who like have big muscles. Like that's Satterfield's thing. Clearly, he he mm -hmm. is pointing to all of his guys. Trevor Reed is another one. Scott Satterfield loves his big-bodied players, and he talks about it a lot. And Yaya Diaby, for good reason, is a guy that I think if you don't know who that is, you need to go do a little bit of research because I I think this is the year. I said it last year. And I'm probably I. I'll probably be wrong again here, but yeah, he's, he's poised. Why okay, we'll he? go back and clip this. Later. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> be on the lookout for Ashton Gelati too, guys. He could have a serious impact his freshman year. Cause yep. every single defensive coach has said rave, rave review, gave him rave reviews about him. Even guys who don't even coach the defensive line. It, some of them were completely unprompted. Like, Oh, Ashton Gelati, he looked fantastic. I, he he I think he has a almost a lock to receive an all freshman nomination for uh, all ACC next year.
And I mean, he was on LSL, so that automatically means automatically. destined for greatness. That's it. That's so it. you come on our show sure. and you, I mean, you have a breakout year. So. It's a prerequisite it. for success. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Matt, we're headed for bright places, my friend. I mean, just these two gr- just blessing us tonight with their presence and their technology problems. It's just incredible. I'll drink I mean, we that. might get Taylor singing here soon. Maybe we'll take some shirts off. It's a party, guys. Woo! All right, let's wow. let's talk about uh, when was I'm gonna say on the count of three. I'm gonna tell me the last time that you remember Louisville having a good defense. Not last year, okay? So the year. Tell on the, when I say when I count to three, just blurt out the last time Louisville was good at defense. One, two, three. 2013. Ethan didn't even give us an answer. 2013. Gonna, okay, 2013. That's the last time that we remember wow. Louisville being good at defense. And here we are it opening Matt. That's that DuPont <laughs> manual connection right there. That's right. That's right. I'm in. Oh, Jacob, where did you go to high school? I went to Eastern High School, baby. Eastern. Okay. Like he said, at Eastern High School, baby. <laughs> like everybody's like, oh, yeah, Eastern. Stand up. Sit down, Jacob. Ramon Pure, your baby. We're, we're, we're in there. That's starting left in Eastern High School. I'm claiming it. I'm representing it. It is what it is, man. Eastern High School is – it's Eastern High School. All right. It's Eastern High School. You got it, buddy. But, the tagline for the – it's Eastern really High School. that school there. <laughs> I, I'm going to move gonna on. It's going to be at the showcase Eastern of High School. Just representing school Eastern there. High School. Fantastic. That's the name of the podcast episode. I got no it's Eastern reaction High School. on that. None. I thought they'd be like, okay, all right. But it was just dead silent. <laughs> Eastern okay. High School stand up. All right. But on the, uh, my point being, we're talking about <laughs> defense first with Louisville. I, that, we haven't done that in a long time. Offensively is where the question marks lie because you lose – Des Fitzpatrick, Javian Hawkins, are we confident that they're going to take a step forward or are we doing the Louisville fan thing where we just assume every year you get better? I think by default, it's going to take a lot of guys. Go uh, ahead, Ethan. They have to replace 5,700 yards and 44 touchdowns from the big three guys over their UFL careers that they have to replace, those being at, well, Fitzpatrick and Hawkins. They do have some playmakers um, at the ready, uh, but they haven't been consistently proven. So I think it's a good thing for Louisville to have question marks at these two positions, those being wide receiver and running backs, because that is where they're the most deep. So while they have a lot of question marks as it relates to proving how, um, how much they can produce, We've seen small sample sizes of some guys doing just that, most notably Jalen Mitchell at the last couple games of the season. So I'm, I'm pretty bullish on these groups, but they have a lot of questions just like the defensive line does that they're going to have to answer early on this year. Look, guys, there was a coach who shall not be named that tried to tell us that our one and only Heisman Trophy winner leaving would mean that our offense would be better the following year. So I'm not going to fall into that trap of believing that you can lose Javian and Tutu and Dez and somehow miraculously be better than you were the year before. Um, I do agree with Ethan, though. The pieces are there to have a successful offense and to replace some of that production. But early on in the season against Ole Miss, against DKU, against UCF, you're going to notice the lack of Tutu Atwell, the lack of Javian Hawkins, the lack of Des Fitzpatrick, even though Des didn't get the ball nearly enough last season, but that's a whole other podcast. Um, you're, I think as this offense moves forward, you're going to see them get better and replace that production. 
But early on in the season, that first month of the season, it's going to be difficult. I think, uh, like I was saying, I think by default, someone's got to step up. Like, like Ethan was saying, they're losing so much production in terms of yardage, receptions, touchdowns, that there's so many reps up and available. Like, there's a huge open competition to be the next go-to guy at mm-hmm. not only running back, but at wide receiver as well. I think out of both those positions, I think who could be the next go-to guy is mo- most primed on Jalen Mitchell because Satterfield can't stop talking about him. Not only that, but he, he looked really good to end the season. I think, and then Jacob can vouch me. I have a huge football crush on Maurice Berkeley. He looked good in those few games that he was playing before he had to sit out the rest of the season. So I'm not, I'm not going to count out uh, him either. Now over at the wide receivers, they, they do have some guys there, but a lot of it is, largely unproven uh, partly because of uh, youth and inexperience and partly because of how one note the offense was the year before, but guys like Braden Smith can, can have a breakout year. Justin Marshall knock on wood can finally have the, get the opportunities he needs to have a breakout year. Jordan Watkins showed like his potential a couple times, but, but we'll see how that can translate in year two. There are pieces there. Whether or not it comes together remains to be seen, but there is optimism that the offense now it's not going to be as good as it was in 19 and 20. It's there's just it's you can't lose that the your top three offensive options and be better. I'm not we're not gonna go like you said, Taylor. We're not gonna back down, go back down the rabbit hole of the 27 2018 year where oh we're this offense could be better without Lamar. The offense is gonna be better. We're gonna run the ball, we're gonna practice hard. Yeah, but guys, not... it's also important to note that yeah. these guys fighting for these positions haven't left the program after four days. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, it's not a high bar of standard to hold for your players. Uh, but for some of these guys, I mean, they've been here for six years. Justin Marshall feels like he's been here for an eternity. Tyler right. Morrell, you wouldn't have even known he was on the depth chart if you weren't like Matt and studying it every day. Like, there's a lot of guys that are on the depth chart. And Gunner Brewer, one thing stood out to me, we had him on the show a couple of weeks ago. And with his wonderful North Carolina twang, he told us, get your programs. Make sure you know your numbers. Make sure you know your names. Because there's a lot of guys that are going to see the field that you have no idea who they are. And there's part of that that's exciting, but then there's part of that that's just like – It's potentially know, you, terrifying. You have the pieces around for an offense to be dynamic. I, I mean, we'll talk about Jalen Mitchell here in a second, but I, I'm on the Jalen Mitchell train. I mean, his squads are big enough to carry all four of us. That's a full-grown uh, man. That's a full-grown man. There's a reason why Scott's out of field. Grown man strength. Absolutely. And so you're talking about a running back. I think they'll be not better, but I think they could be, you know, just slightly, I don't want to say worse, but just, just a little bit different. I think different's a good word there. They'll be a good dynamic rushing team. They've got weapons there to run the football. Um, There's a lot of speed. You've got Marshawn Ford back. They've got a veteran offensive line. Uh, It's all about how Malik Cunningham can elevate. Can he be a guy that elevates these guys? Can he turn a fourth string receiver, uh, a guy who's not played much into a second string, a guy who can be a playmaker. I think that's what's going to really re- be required of the offense this season is Malik br- bringing these guys along. And Matt, he talked about that on, on uh, Monday, Tuesday, whatever day he met with the media about, um, I, I think today might be Tuesday. I'm referencing today. Today's Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, it was he talk, Whenever he talked to the media, <clears throat> he talked about trying to make sure that the rapport is there building that. Um, so I, I feel confident in that, but, there's no way you can realistically look at a roster. I try to explain this all the time to people. Just because there's backups and there's players that are coming in behind them does not mean they're automatically just as good, if not better. Like, that's not 
how it works. It's going to be a slow grind, slow build. Thank God there's an off season, but just because and there could be there, someone in fall camp, have a breakout camp. I mean, going into it, that, yeah. we thought Hassan Hall was a lock to get the starting running back position. And then Javion Hawkins was like, Nope, let's we, just stop running the ball on second and 12. It's all, uh, I, it's all I want. It's all I want. Thank you. Yeah. All I want. What's the wrinkle? That's a great lead into the next question. You, I mean, I can tell you're a professional just by that. What are the wrinkles you want to see added into the offense? I've been, I've been telling Matt the reason I'm so excited. I mean, Luke McCaffrey was on the roster when I said this, but you had potentially three quarterbacks on the field at one time. Like if you if you roll out a set and you've got Malik Cunningham, Shea Wirtz, and Luke McCaffrey, like you can do it so many different things with the football. I still am excited about the fact that you've got Braden Smith. He's your third quarterback kind of guy out there. Like you have so many weapons. I sure hope they're in the offseason. They've been just whiteboards on the wall, drawing plays, X and O's, adding wrinkles, and not to the point where the defense can call the plays out. You've got to self-scout if you're this coaching staff after what happened last season. It was – there were times – and let me let me preface this by saying I love this coaching staff. I'm not one of those fans that's like, Scott Satterfield flirted with South Carolina, and I don't like him anymore. No, get over it. Shut up. I, I'm still a big fan of Scott Satterfield, Scott Satterfield. I still love there him. It is. And uh, there it is. So, so yeah, like, like forget that, but this coaching staff, it is hot in here right now. There were times watching this team that it was almost <laughs> like this coaching staff was watching a different game when they were calling plays. Prime example, second and 12. What do you want to do here? Let's one, run to the right. They'll never see it coming. Like, stop. What are you doing? There has to be some self-scouting that happened in this offseason, and I'm sure that it did, where they looked at some of the things that they were doing that were their bread and butter plays, and I think you can continue to use them, but you have to use them in different places. You have to know, look, we you have, we to have some situational awareness. Yeah, you have to have some more situational awareness. That's exactly right, Matt. That's what I want to see more – this coming season is more of that situational awareness, more of that. Look, just because this is what we want to do and this is our identity, it's okay to do something different if it's going to work in this game. Yeah, no more jet sweeps to the short side of the field. And then also, please don't run the ball on first and second down almost every 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 time you have the ball. Sam Teague of the Courier Journal, he had some stats, and we referenced it on the show months ago. And it was it just it just echoed what we had been saying about how predictable the offensive play calling was. So to answer the question, for me, as long as the play calling becomes more aggressive and it's not as predictable, I think that's going to be a win, and that's going to translate into more success in finding those playmakers that we need to find on the offensive side of the ball. I I just want this offense to not be vanilla because I know in in 2019 I we it was largely vanilla but that's because it was the first year of the coaching that coaching staff they're still trying to get used to everything and then throughout the entirety of the last offseason they were talking about how they were opening up the playbook how it's not going to be vanilla anymore and you can make the argument that it was even more predictable in vanilla in 2020 than it was in 2019. So 2019, I, it was like vanilla bean. Like it wasn't just plain vanilla. Like it was vanilla with a little spice bean. to it. Cause it, 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 it was that good Briars vanilla bean. They're yes. like, oh, okay, I want to get that. And then 2020 was like that Kroger brand vanilla. Exactly. And 2021, I don't want to hear right. any more talk about it being like it, it, improving from vanilla and opening up. I want to see 
What's the flavor? What's at the end of the 2021 season? What do you want to describe the offense in in a flavor of ice cream? Like Raiders black raspberry chip, no question. So that's a good measure of success for you if it's the Raiders blackberry chip, whatever you said. That no, I'm just fat and it sounds delicious. Neapolitan, okay. Kroger's jam select chocolate chip cookie dough, where literally I have a piece of cookie dough in every bite. That's what I want from this offense. Okay, I'm going to break that oh. down. Okay, you've got your vanilla off. You've got your bread and butter, but then you've got the, the chunks of cookie dough where they incorporate something that it's a little bit different in years past, and then maybe other defenses might not see it, but if you've still got your go-to place. <laughs> Throw the bomb. Give them the heater. Yeah, I'm, that's I'm sorry. Here, this might be a hot take, but if there's if there's chunks of anything in my ice cream, I just can't do it. Like, get out of here! I, I'm not. What's wrong with you? I'm eating ice cream. If I wanted to eat solid food, I'd go to my pantry and get some. So chips. you're like, you're I not going to eat cookie, cookie dough. You're you're not going to eat like chocolate chips. You're not going to eat like marshmallow or chocolate like, chips is a I little bit different. Cookie but... dough. It's not even cooked. What? Oh you my god! I, 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 I can't. I'm out. I, this is this has been oh. from the pink seas. <laughs> I'm ro- I'm roasting you tomorrow. We're this you gotta is put be the cookie topic. dough in the oven to enjoy the cookie. You can't eat cookie dough when it's not even cooked. I don't I even mean, know you can. I do you can. It's not encouraged, but you can. And it is good. I will yeah. say, but save I mean, your chunks. Save the chunks for other foods. If uh, the only, the only, save your chunks. The McFlurry is the exception here. Uh, the 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 Blizzard a little. Maybe I'll even allow that. But ice cream with chunks in it is disgusting. I don't want to be taking a, a bite of smooth cold ice cream and get a chunky chewy chip in there. Like, let, like this. That's is, some of the not, best part of the ice cream. <laughs> Sometimes we'll pray for you, Jacob. That's all I can say. <laughs> all right, let's talk about the schedule a little bit. We've talked just about general expectations here. We've talked about some of the players. We've 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 gone through all of that. It's an interesting schedule for Louisville because this old Miss has this old Miss game has been on there since we were in high school. It feels Adi, like Adi, gosh almighty. We're going back to Atlanta. The last time we went to Atlanta was a lot of fun. Took an L, but you get Ole Miss. You get Central Florida, which, again, another game you're talking about. I feel like that game was on the schedule when Charlie Strong was here. Um, so you get some new opponents that we've not seen in a little bit. You mix in some of the storylines of last season of losing, like, to Kentucky. Um, you know, some of the other schools, Boston College. Uh, you, 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 you've you got the revenge game, the revenge factor here. What do we think about the overall schedule? Just can Louisville – I'm going to start with this. Can Louisville beat Ole Miss? Let's start there. I'll go with no. I mean, I think they can. I don't think that the, I'm not expecting them to because of guys, basically what we've been talking about. There's so many question marks on the offensive side of the ball. And let's face it. If Louisville's going to beat Ole Miss more than likely, they're going to have to outscore them. Even though Louisville's defense is much improved and I expect them to be a very solid unit. I don't know outside of Clemson, if they're going to see an offense as explosive as Ole Miss. So I think Louisville's going to have to win in a track meet. I don't think in game number one that these playmakers are going to be proven in season enough to do that. I think Louisville could beat them, but I'm not expecting Louisville to. Yeah, it boils down to the the question is, can Louisville win a shootout week one? If this game was the season ender, I would be a lot more confident in it. But since it's – Game one, and we're still not entirely sure what the offense is going to look like post 2-2, post Hawkins, post Dez. I don't think it will come together immediately, especially not against the offense's high caliber. Now, Ole Miss's defense is bad, but it doesn't just discount the fact that their 
their offense it more than makes up for it. So I'm going to go with no, but it's possible. The timing influences everything, if you ask me. But I'm not going to rule it completely out. Stranger things have happened in college football. You guys, so pessimistic. This the is question is, did you question not, is, let me ask you this? Hold on, hold on. I've heard this before, and I, I'm a big, big fan of the take. You're all's colleague, Andy Sweeney. Did you or did you not? He likes to say that you predicted Louisville to win every game last year. That, no, no, and Andy's so wrong. He's so damn wrong, and he does this all the freaking time. No, I did not predict Louisville to win every game last season. In fact, I predicted Louisville to lose more games last season than I predicted them to win anyway. A grand total of one. I will. That was the low point for me. That was the lowest point of last season, and I will never forget that. Um, the question is, can Louisville beat Ole Miss? Hell yeah, Louisville can beat Ole Miss. Will they beat Ole Miss? Probably not. But can they? Do they have the skill position? Do they have the talent on paper to beat Ole Miss? Yes, they do. Will they be able to get it all together in time for that first game? I don't know, but you're right. If Louisville's going to win this game, it's going to be a shootout. Uh, I think it's it can be a shootout because Ole Miss's defense is a dumpster fire uh, because Lane Kiffin has never coached defense before ever in his life. No, why um, would you when you look that cool? I wouldn't coach defense either. That's true. <laughs> if Ethan was a football coach, Ethan wouldn't coach defense. Um, but, yeah, I think if, if the question is can, can Louisville beat Ole Miss, yes, they can. Will they? I don't think so. His defense is, I mean, his players will be looking fly, though. I will say they'd probably be fitted with some nice Three shoes. Life. Yeah, they've got some socks, some shorts. Ethan's got his guys out there looking good while getting their asses kicked, probably. That's right. right. That's right. Let me, this is this is something a little interesting to go back to the Gunner Brewer conversation. One thing he mentioned to me that, that kind of stood out at the time and now just kind of, you know, talking about Ole Miss, he brought up how this game is a little bit more personal for him and for Coach Bicknell. Not that I think that personal really matters in terms of like whether you're going to win or not. Like you can want to win the game all you want, but if you're not better, you're not winning. But I say that to, I think there's a little bit extra motivation this off season in addition to the four and seven thing, like to be able to open up, on national television uh, where Monday night football is usually slotted, like in the prime time on ESPN uh, against a, a, he, he said, he's got a house there. He's got family there. Like there's going to be p- people at the game that are Ole Miss people. And he knows people at the program from when he coached there. Jack Picknell was just there a few years ago. These guys care about this game. And I, I just think that there's going to be a lot of emphasis on coming out right out of the gates really fast and really, really heavy with that offense. The question is, do they do it? I, I I don't know. I really don't know. Every time we talk about Louisville football, it just ends with Matt. Like, I don't know. Not sure. Not really sure. But yeah. the one thing I, or one thing I do want to ask is, do you see a, a big win on this schedule? I don't think Scott Satterfield really yet has a signature win. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. Kentucky, he's not beat Kentucky. You're you're talking about maybe Wake Forest. Year I would one. yeah, I would say maybe 19 in Wake Forest because it was they were a ranked opponent on the road. Now, I know Wake didn't finish the season ranked, but they were still a top 25 team at the time, and that was a big deal going in and undefeated. Correct, correct, and a really good team. They had Jamie Newman, all that. But does anybody even really remember that Wake Forest was ranked 24th in 2019? Besides us, no, nobody no. does. Right, exactly. So they, my point being, they still don't really have a big win here. Do you, do you see a game on this schedule? I don't. I guess Kentucky would fall into that category as like a signature win. As sad no. as that is to say, does Louisville beat anybody on their schedule this year who like you can look at and you're like, that's the win right there. They got it turned around. 
maybe Florida State since it's in Tallahassee and Mike Norvell has that program on the up and up. But UCF might not be that great. Wake Forest is Wake Forest. UVA, they're 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 coming here. Boston College, I'm high on, but they 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 they've lost a couple guys. The game at NC State, NC State had a better season than anticipated last season. So I'm in, I'm curious to see how good they're going to be this year. Also, we'll see if Dave Doran can string together some consistency. Clemson, L, Syracuse, that's an easy, easy dub. At Duke, easy W. Both those two of the final three teams on the schedule absolutely suck. And then there's the Kentucky game. The Kentucky game, I've told Jacob this, Kentucky does what they do. And they do it well, and that's run the ball. And that's something that Louisville struggled with the last few seasons. So until proven otherwise, maybe in the games leading up to that, I'm not sure Louisville can win that game, even if it is hosted at Cardinal Stadium. I don't want to hear talk like that on this show. Oh, my God. That is so sad. That's disgusting. I feel like everybody just turned the the podcast off. (laughs) NC State is that team every year that is supposed to suck and Dave Doran finds a way to get him eight and four and save his job. And it's like, how do you freaking do that every and he, year? And he flips that. Whenever they found they're a supposed way to, lose to they found a way to lose to Kentucky in their bowl game. Yeah. Yeah. And NC State, even when they're supposed question, to be good, Jacob, they flip the script. I think it's UCF or Florida State. That would be the two signature wins. And, you know, I know you all poo-pooed on Matt's. Uh, retort about the, the the last game of the season against the team up the road. Don't you do it? Don't don't do but it. Don't you do it, it Ethan Moore? So, can you be confident? No. In a Cardinals victory, based on Thank what you. we've seen from those no. two programs over the last two years. No, no. you can't. No. But I'm not going to say it. <laughs> well, fair Thank enough. you, All Ethan. Right. I appreciate you. You just don't talk about it. It doesn't happen. I think that's kind of what it's, we're getting It's like at Fight here. Club. <laughs> I just want you to know that my girlfriend brought me ice cream that has chunks in it, Jacob. So, I'm so I was wondering if there was chunks in that. I've got to tell you, my, my wife's name is Taylor, and Presley, who is my cohort at State of Louisville, his wife's name is Taylor. I hold the name Taylor in really high regard, like really <laughs> high regard. I already think it's kind of odd that you've got an E in there instead of an O, but the ice cream thing, man, I'm not sure anymore. Like I'm really, <laughs> not, I'm not, that was the deal breaker, the chunky ice cream. Uh, okay, so in the Jacob, ice- you're just weird. Am I? Yes. Yes. Miller Lite. Yes. Okay. All right, Matt. I want to hear all of your food takes. Miller put the, Lite guy. Put the, oh, you don't want to hear my food takes. You'll ban me from the show. All right. Anyways, ACC. <laughs> Where does Louisville have a shot here at uh, there? I think we can all agree that they're not up upstaging Clemson, even with Trevor Lawrence, not being there. I, I honestly could, couldn't name more than probably two players on Clemson's team. Um, but I still know there doesn't matter. Right. They're, they're Clemson. So where, I'll, I'll say this, their backup QB coming in. Oh, not coming in. He was on this. He was on the rush last year. DJ say his name. Say his name. DJU. Oh, DJU. That's all I'm saying. I can't pronounce that last name. G. D- oh, God bless him, oh come on you've already committed to it now you're a leaking confidence matt <laughs> dj ukulele i don't know how to pronounce that <laughs> last name i really don't shut it down man all right this is embarrassing I'm ukulele. 
I really don't know how to pronounce that last name. (laughs) Oh, God. DJ Ukulele. Yeah. I mean, that's his name now. Like, we're not calling him anything other than that, Matt. Never. Yeah, we can't live that down. No disrespect nope. to DJ, but I don't know how to pronounce. I don't even remember oh, what his last. I can't name wait is. for the Clemson breakdown next uh, season. I'm writing mm-hmm. DJ Ukulele all over that thing. Mm-hmm. It's like you just get used Son to to spelling to attack of Iloa, and you got to turn around and now try to spell this and say it. It's just made. Sorry, <laughs> the, the, the weekly manual of uh, uh, manual Maynard appearance on the podcast. Welcome to the show, Maynard. Poor guy with the cone. Matt is putting his dog in a cone this evening so that he can protect him. He is such a, a great, great dog dad. But I'm glad you ACC. clarified, Jacob, that that was Maynard the dog and not Maynard a Kentucky fan. So I'm <laughs> glad you glad you clarified. Sorry, I apologize about that. But let's let's talk about the ACC. Where where does Louisville fit in here? Um, in the Atlantic, are they able, do you think, you, you guys see them being in a position to compete for that second spot? Or are, is Louisville slowly kind of trending the wrong way in the ACC? Ethan, go ahead, man. If you go with last year, you know, the trajectory, I think that Louisville will, will be on the up and up. Now, do I think they'll finish second in the Atlantic? No. I think I can see them finishing anywhere from third to fourth. I don't I, I don't see any way Louisville's seventh, sixth, or even fifth. I think third or fourth is where the cards will finish this year. I would expect this year Louisville to be – Second or Don't. third in the Atlantic behind Clemson. I do. I do. I, I think too. And and I got pissed off on Twitter last week about this when we were talking about the expansion of the college football playoff and everybody was talking about, you know, oh, well, this means, you know, more access for Louisville and more of a chance for Louisville to get into the college football playoff. And that's completely accurate. But you can't say that. And in the same breath, be one of those fans that comes on our show and says, if Louisville could just be eight and four, that's a great season. We're, we're happy with that. Just be just be average. Just be eight. And four. No, shut up. You don't get to say that. And then also say, well, this means more, more, um, more chances for Louisville to get in the playoff. No, if Louisville's going to be where we think they should be, in, in my opinion, year in and year out, Louisville should be habitually in second place in the Atlantic division and they should have a couple of years where they have a stellar quarterback, stellar wide receivers, some really good pieces on defense and they play Clemson in a hell of a game. Like we saw a couple of years ago with Lamar versus Deshaun Watson in death Valley. And every once in a while Louisville comes out on the winning side of that. I don't think that is out of the realm of possibility to think, and I don't think it's crazy to expect this Louisville program to year in and year out be a top 20 program and not be a middle of the pack ACC school. You did not join this conference to be average, you didn't join this conference to just play in the ACC. You came into this league to win the ACC, you did it in baseball. You've done it in women's basketball. You haven't done it in men's basketball yet, but you've done it in almost every other Olympic sport, or I hate to use the term non-revenue sport, but in all of the other sports, you have competed at the highest level in the ACC, and it's damn time for football to step up and do the same thing. 
Wow. Silence from the crowd. I, I mean, can anybody oh, no, say I'm anything better? I'm sorry. No, I, I was muted because <laughs> I had to unmute myself from giving Maynard peanut butter. But <laughs> I'm just being honest. But I, I kind of agree with you there. Could you have... An inside oh, look at what is happening on this show, man. It is not pretty. <laughs> I kind oh. of agree with you there, but until Clemson is officially dethroned, like for good, as or at least for now, as kings of the ACC, I'm not sure how feasible it is for them to take that next step. Because who, when Clemson's won the Atlantic for the last six, seven years, when when could you conceivably see them losing again? Because I think the next step that Louisville has to take in the ACC is to get to Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And, and and Louisville doesn't have to be better than Clemson every no. single year, Matt. They nope. just have to be better than Clemson every once in a while. And maybe not necessarily even better. They just need James Quick to get the first down. They just need stuff like that to happen in a game that's close. I mean, I, I saw this today on Twitter, and I saved it for this show tonight to, to run it by you guys. The past 10 seasons, from 2011 to 2020, here's what Clemson has done. 2016-2018 national champs, 2011-2015 to 2020 ACC champs, 2019 Fiesta Bowl champs, 2018 Cotton Bowl champs, 2016 Fiesta Bowl champs, 2015 Orange Bowl champs, 2014 Russell Athletic Bowl, 2013 Orange Bowl champs, 2012 Chick-fil-A Bowl champs, 2011-2015 through 2019 ACC Atlantic champs. Louisville's not catching up to that in the next two years in the next three years but they damn well better be on their freaking heels i'm sick of clemson running rough shot over this freaking league okay and louisville has the leg up on florida state because they beat florida state and, and should be undefeated against florida yep. state since joining the league mm-hmm. let's get that out there right now yeah right now louisville is in a better position as a program than florida state is and they should not relinquish that it's time to put the pedal to the metal and continue to build on that and whoop Florida State's ass every chance you get. And don't lose to teams like freaking Boston College. Give me a break. It, it, they, no, the, no, Boston College stop. baseball plays on stop. a freaking uh, uh, parking lot. Okay. <laughs> Their athletic program is not on the same level as Louisville's. It, it should not ever be. It shouldn't level. be ever. No. no. Louisville, Louisville is like one, one or two more average years away from becoming like Wake Forest, Virginia. Like just exactly. a middle of the pack. Like you see them on your schedule and you're like, yeah, it's probably a win. Like they're going to become that. They got to be careful to not do that. But I will say, I do think I feel it in my, in my loins that this is the year that Louisville is competitive against Clemson. Can we, can we, can, can I get any buyers on that? Like, I'm not saying they lose by, by a six or three, but maybe like by like 14, like. Oh, I'm feeling myself, Jacob. I'll go out there on a Louisville's defense is good, Matt. Yes. Louisville's defense. Jack For the love of God, pick Trevor Lawrence off twice. Come on. Let's define let's no. define what competitive is. Is that is that beating the spread? Because it's well, going well, to I'll be take it as a start. What, three spread, then. Probably. I mean, I would say it would be at least 21, 24 points. I mean, that's what it's been on average the last couple of years. So let's start with that. But I mean, there's been years in the past where Louisville has played Clemson a little bit more competitive. Now they didn't win. Louisville's taken a lot of L's from Clemson, but uh, think about the years. I, I forget very early on, 2014. I think Louisville lost by four, seven or 14 to Clemson. 
yeah, it was a close game. They tried to come back there at the end. I think the next year was also a pretty competitive game. And then, you know, you had your Lamar Jackson years, which I don't – those are really special years, and they are what they are. You should have beat Clemson in there. But take that away, and then it's been crap since then. But Louisville has shown, like, little flashes, like just a little bit, not much, but, like, the interceptions of Trevor Lawrence. They had a couple of really nice offensive plays a few years ago uh, when they played at home. I think that the defense is good enough to maybe play within 20. I don't think – if you give me a spread of – I'll take Clemson. I, I, I have to see it before I would take Louisville being competitive against Clemson. Uh, Jacob, your point, I mean, there there's several games where Louisville has played well against them in spurts, but I have not seen enough under Satterfield um, that would make me believe that Louisville could cover the spread. And, and I Jacob, l- let me, let me uh, phrase this a little differently to give some perspective. Clemson has been to all but, what, one or two of the last college football playoffs, like actually since its inception, Clemson has missed all just one college football playoff since its inception in the 14th season. You know who else has only missed one college football playoff? Alabama. Yeah, that team, Maynard. Alabama. So, yeah, with that, that's why I think Louisville is just so far behind Clemson right now. I'm with Taylor. I think to a degree, you know, I think Louisville needs to be third most years in the Atlantic because I I think that we have Louisville has had a lot of success against Florida State, but still they're able to pull from their home state in terms of recruiting much more than Louisville can from the state of Kentucky. And, you know, while Louisville should be undefeated against them, while they've been members of the ACC, you know, for me, I think finishing third in the Atlantic most years would be a pretty good year. Um, eight and four, nine and three would be solid years. But I'm also with Taylor in, in, in that I don't think it's without of the realm of possibility once a decade that Louisville could finish in the top 12 to get in the expanded playoffs. But yeah, but for me, I think Louisville and, and Clemson, they're, they're light years apart. Uh, I think Wolves trending in the right direction in terms of being second or third in the Atlantic. Uh, pieces are there, but we, we have to see it. But I'm comfortable with, with projecting a Louisville finishing third in the Atlantic. All right. Anything else schedule wise? Is there another game? Anything that I, I like? I'm excited for Central Florida. I can't wait to see just Dylan Gabriel. I think he's probably the best quarterback we might face all season besides uh, ukulele. But um, <laughs> what about Matt Corral? Ole Miss. I mean, that's another good one. I think Dylan Gabriel is uh, – those two guys are both, you know, really, really dynamic. But that's a game that – I don't know. It's just – it's at home. It should be, like, a, a really, really good time. Like, I, I don't Friday know why, night. but I've got it circled. as like, that's the game. I want to be at that, that one. That is an exciting game for me for a huge reason. And I'm kind of segueing into the next, like, bullet point you want to talk about. That game has potential to be a massive, massive momentum swing game. Because I think uh, with that Ole Miss game, you're largely looking at probably a loss. There's potential for a win, but I think most people kind of chalk it up as a loss until proven otherwise. You follow it up the next week against EKU, easy dub. If that's anything remotely competitive, there's going to be bigger concerns. And then – Third game of the season, UCF at home. UCF has got their own growing pains too. They, in, in terms of like all of college football right now, they're not that great. They're I think uh, 
sub 100 in a few college football metrics I've seen, but they, they're led by a damn good head coach and Gus Mazan and he could write the ship. So this UCF game is, I think I would give Louisville the slight edge over UCF, but I wouldn't, I could very easily see them dropping this. This game is the difference. Obviously I'm saying, I'm saying the obvious here, but it's the huge difference between starting the season two and one and starting the season one and two. And if you, if you start the first about month of the season with a positive win record, that could set up for bigger things down the stretch and on the other hand, if you start, if you have another start like in 2020, I'm not saying it could spiral out of control, but we've seen this happen already just the year prior. So that for me, that UCF game is arguably one of the more important games on the schedule. Louisville fans, if if Louisville goes one and two to start the season, I'm deleting Twitter like 100% because it will be fire Satterfield hire you know, X, Y, Z, let's this season's over. We knew he never wanted to be here. I'd like, I want that so badly to not happen that yeah. like I, I'm willing to pray for that. I think, I think I'd pray for them to start two and one versus one and two, because they'll be obnoxious. It, that, that's just the Louisville fan that the, the, the sense of, always having to win every single game. And with everything we've talked about in the off season, you start one and two and we're headed down a slippery slope. Like uh, you're talking about having the air kind of sucked out of the room. Good luck getting the crowd back after, uh, after a loss like that. But luckily I don't think that's going to happen, but let's, let's move on here. Let's move to our final segment um, over under. I want to look at some key stats here. I've pulled some, some uh, data points from the last few season and put it into my handy dandy calculator and it spit out some great numbers and i want to run these by you in a little game of over under here um, and see what you guys think so let's start we'll do this i'll read these off and then uh taylor ethan and matt we'll go in that order on each three of these and let's try to keep this quick so we can wrap up here but uh to start malik cunningham passing touchdowns over or under 23 taylor uh let me just back up here um he had 20 touchdowns 12 interceptions last year 22 the year before so it's kind of a good happy medium here over or under 23 over okay ethan over or under over. 23. matthew i'm going under because of the heavy emphasis on the run game interesting okay all right let's go to the second one here malik cunningham interceptions um, i've got the over under at eight last year 12 the year prior five so eight we're cutting down by a fourth or by a quarter here what, what do we think under i'm gonna go with a push eight okay matt what do you bet think the, bet the farm on the under do we feel good that – I mean, five interceptions is is a really hard place to kind of benchmark yourself at as in your first year as a starter. I mean, is it anything under 12 we're happy? Like, is there a number? Is it just like we want the eye test to kind of tell us if he's doing better? Like, because you can throw – you say he throws 12 interceptions this season, right, but he throws 42 touchdowns. Does that – is that better? Like, I know it's the same number, but is it better? 100% better. And it depends on what type of interception it is. Is it the exactly. type that's not his fault? Exactly. David Hale had a great stat the other day that Louisville led the nation in quote unquote unlucky turnovers. I can't, I don't have the stat in front of me, but he painted a, a phenomenal picture of just how, just bad, how much bad luck Louisville had in the turnover department. I think, I think three of his 12 interceptions were due to receiver drops. At a minimum, there was three of those 12 picks. 
and countless others were I, I can remember one off the top of my head that was tipped at the at the line of scrimmage. I mean, there was countless others that were just fluke plays. And and Scott Satterfield talked about that like at the beginning of the offseason. I know we've got to improve turnovers, but let's not sit here and act like each one of these was something that could have been avoided. Like that's just what happens when you have 22 guys in a small space. Things happen like that. Uh Jalen Mitchell, by all accounts, the likely starting running back over or under 900 yards. That's a tough one. That's a tough one because you're nearing the the one K mark. We saw flashes. You have like really like two good games to kind of go off of. If you take what we saw in those final games where he had like the 70 yard runs. I'm going to push. I'm going to say it's right at 900. I'm going over. He played in two major games, had 347 yards rushing. I think he gets over 900 easily. I'll go one further. I think he, I think he's a thousand yard back this year. I'm like only saying I'm only saying under just because of the depth at running back because there's a lot of there's a few other guys who are going to get their fair share of reps too and that's the only reason I'm saying the other if he was the every every down starter I think he hits 1K. I don't have the exact data in front of me, but I, I remember writing about this a couple of years ago. Scott Satterfield during his time at App State never uh, did not ever have a 1,000 yard rusher. Every year they had a thousand yard rusher. I, I would tend to take the the money here that Jalen Mitchell is probably going to go over that 900 mark. Okay, let's move on here. Jordan Watkins, uh, another guy considered to be the like next guy receiving yards over or under 700. Under. 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 So is that more of we think that it's going to be spread out or is there another guy that we think is going to be the go-to guy? Why do you guys not think that he's going to be kind of the the pace setter here? I think it's going to be uh, wide receiver by committee, to be completely honest. I think they're going to to spread it out more. Yeah, if there's any offensive unit. They're going to spread it well. Yeah, if there's any offensive unit that's truly going to be quote-unquote by committee, it's going to be wide receiver unless – uh, Watkins establishes himself as the next go-to guy, or if anyone else establishes himself as the next go-to guy. But I truthfully think that they're they're going to spread it out whether they want to or not. All right, let's look at uh, turnovers lost. Obviously, last year that was the the big uh, bugaboo for Louisville, killed them um, just overall with momentum and and every which way. But um, finished last year with let me see here, I've got this written down somewhere and I cannot find it. I will let other people do the research on that. Turnovers lost over or under nineteen. And that number, under. you don't really have any context without me pulling the stats out. I do not know where I put those. I'm okay, just- for the love of God, I hope it's under. Under. I'm going to go with under. I know I know Jacob to kind of save you a little bit. The turnover margin was negative 12. I don't know the exact numbers, but that was the margin. The turnovers were bad. Yeah, I tend to believe if you, if it's if it's even a push, man, God bless us. It's going to be a fun season. Team sacks over or under 28. They finished 2020 with 21 sacks. They had 27 and 19. They haven't had a 30 sack season since 2016. What do we think? Team sacks over or under 28. Over. Under. It's difficult because I think the linebacking core can get a lot of sacks because that that's been the, the leading sack getter uh, the last couple seasons and it it, it comes down to if the D line can get the sacks I I'm gonna say under because I think a lot of the sacks will come from the linebackers again and I'm not entirely sure how the defensive line is going to pan out this year. 
I just want to see a defense that can get after the quarterback. 2016 feels like an eternity ago to be able to get to that kind of high number. I, I don't feel like it's too much to ask. Turnovers gained. Uh, th- that is actually the forcing turnover side of things. Scott Satterfield talked as much about doing that this offseason as improving giving the ball away. Uh, over or under 15 here to kind of provide some numbers for you. They finished 2020 with 12 turnovers gained. 12 turnovers gained. That's it. They had 18 in 2019. They haven't produced more than 20 turnovers since since 2017. Over. Yikes. Over. over. Okay. I'm going to go over. I think some of those gotcha plays are close, be close, like interceptions. I think they'll they'll squeeze those balls a little. Oh, let me. Oh. <laughs> Yo. Yes. I love Yo. it. Squeeze those balls. Squeeze them. That is not hard. Wow. My uh, Jacob just trains into the next section. All right. <laughs> we, we've talked about this a little bit here, but in terms of finish in the ACC Atlantic, the over or under finishing in third or push, you can push this one as well. Push this season. So you've got them finishing. You, you think they're going to fit third? So who's you got Florida state. It's going to be either Louisville or Florida state. If, if Louisville beats Florida state, then they're finishing second in the league. Or in the okay. Atlantic. Okay. Ethan, what do you got, man? I'm going I'm going push as well. I think Louisville finishes third, and I think NC State is second. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll go push there. I, I'm kind of bullish on NC State based on what I saw last year. Now, just because I said that NC State is going to flip the script like Dave Dorn always does. And Good. Yeah. But, yeah, I think they finished third. All right, and then this is the last one here. We'll wrap the show on this one. Total wins, over or under? I'm taking Vegas's number here, six and a half. Over. Over. I would. Andrew says over. 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 Yeah, over. I'll just keep it short. Over. Over. I, I don't know about you guys, but I will be uh, headed to Indiana to place a bet on that one. That's one I feel confident in. I'm going to go over as well. This has been a fantastic show. I can't thank you guys enough for joining Matthew and I. Maynard, hope you're doing well, buddy. Uh, most of you listening know where to find Taylor and Ethan, but for those of you who don't, it's Louisville Sports Live, city's longest running all UofL sports talk show, I might add. Wednesday night, 6 o'clock, 93.9 The Ville. Follow them on Twitter at Elville Sports Live. You guys do incredible work. I, I absolutely look forward to working out every Wednesday night because I've got live radio to listen to. You guys are great. So if you're not tuned in, make sure you're doing that. Thanks again, guys. This is a blast. We'll have to do this again. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Thank Hopefully the next time my dog won't bark. <laughs> <laughs> Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.